Join me, join all of us as we sing his praises together.
our loving and holy Father. As we move through this season of Lent, we come with hesitant steps and uncertain motives to sweep out the corners where sin has accumulated and uncover the ways we have strayed from your truth. We pray that you would expose the empty and barren places where we don't allow you to enter. Reveal our half-hearted struggles where we have been indifferent to the suffering of others. Nurture the faint stirrings of new life where your spirit has begun to grow. And let your healing light transform us into the image of your Son. For you alone can bring new life and make us whole. Amen. I see the King of glory coming on the clouds with fire. The whole earth shakes, the whole earth shakes. I see his love and mercy washing over all our sin. The people sing, the people sing. Hosanna, Hosanna. Selfless faith, selfless faith. 
It's a great thing to come together and to praise the Lord in our, our songs and, and uh, hearing His Word spread and spoken to us and just coming together to join our lives in worship. And we're glad that you're here today. Take a moment, uh, share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship this morning. I just want to make note of a few things. Uh, this is a special week, as what the church calls Holy Week, and beginning today with Palm Sunday. And there are some uh, special activities and gatherings throughout this week. We will not be having our Wednesday, regular Wednesday activities, but uh, instead we're, we are hosting a Monday Thursday service, uh, 7 o'clock on Thursday evening. If you've not been a part of this service, I invite you to, to come. It's a, there's a lot of symbol uh, symbols that are part of this gathering, uh, thinking about this last night of Christ's life before he goes to the cross. And so we invite you to be a part of that service. Uh, Good Friday, we are uh, hosting a journey to the cross. It'll be in the community room and it's a walkthrough uh, at your own leisure. Uh, we've added a few elements this year as we've done this in the past. But uh, we'll begin at 10 o'clock. If you've done at 6, you feel free to come anytime. Uh, during those hours and uh, take as much or as little time as you want uh, walking through uh, the journey that, uh, again, helps us think a little bit more to see, to visualize uh, the, uh, the journey of Christ to the cross. And then next Sunday is Easter. Uh, the first service at 745 or scheduled next Sunday is completely different as you see in the bulletin. Uh, the first service is a service of celebration and baptism. And we have a baptism class scheduled this Tuesday at 4 o'clock in the uh, conference room. So I know some of you have mentioned to me about being interested in being baptized. And uh, so you see that class. If you haven't mentioned to me that you want to be baptized, feel free to come to the class. And uh, that will be next Sunday morning. And then a breakfast will follow that in the community room. There's an insert in your bulletin about the breakfast. Uh, any donations you can make. The youth group is, is running the breakfast. And it's a fundraiser for them to help out as they... Uh, spend a week this summer in Buffalo working with a lot of other young people uh, in the inner city of Buffalo. So we uh, want to help them with this. So if you can donate some food items, uh, there will also be an opportunity to make uh, cash donations at the breakfast as you would like. Uh, so join us for that and then our worship service next Sunday at 10 o'clock. We are, uh, for a number of years, we have supported uh, Compass Care uh, Ministry in Rochester and uh, this morning, Dan Tomlinson, Houghton College graduate, uh, who works with the ministry, is here. He's going to share a little bit with us. He will be sharing in Kaleidoscope uh, immediately following uh, our service this morning at the 940 hour. And uh, we're excited to have Dan here and look forward to hearing what he has to share with us in this time and in that time as well. Good morning. Uh, my name is Daniel Tomlinson. I have the honor of serving at Compass Care Pregnancy Services, uh, which I know some of you are familiar with. 
And I just want to share uh, real briefly just um, what Compass Care does, give you a, a quick overview of that, and then uh, just some of the, the recent uh, exciting happenings uh, at that organization. Uh, some of you may know Compass Care is a medical services organization uh, based in Rochester, New York. Uh, our mission is to erase the need for abortion by transforming women's fear into confidence. Uh, to give you a quick overview of, of kind of the problem that Compass Care is, is uh, looking to eradicate here in New York as well as in the, the local region, uh, New York State is the abortion capital of the U.S. There are more abortions per capita in New York than in any other state in the Union, about uh, 100,000 on an annual basis. In Monroe, Cobb, uh, in Monroe County, uh, we refer to them, Monroe County, as an abortion hub, meaning that uh, women from the surrounding areas come to uh, Rochester uh, region for their abortions. And there are about 2,500, 2,500 abortions on an annual basis in Monroe County. Uh, that's 20% of all pregnancies. One out of five pregnancies in Monroe County end in abortion. Uh, Compass Care's mission is to erase the need for abortion uh, by transforming a woman's fear into confidence. And we say fear into confidence because it's the fear of the unknown that's driving these women to get an abortion. Um, what is my boyfriend going to say? What, is, what are my parents going to do? What about school? What about finances? Um, all of this is uh, coercing her into a decision that she wouldn't otherwise make. Um, these pressures in her life, uh, my life as I know it will be over if I have this baby, so I need to um, get rid of it. And, and Compass Care is there to provide her with ethical medical services um, and the, the comprehensive support, kind of come alongside her and give her the support and services that she needs to help her think through all of her options, um, to uh, humanize the child through uh, ultrasound uh, technology, and to give her a, a vision of her future after having had a child. What will my life look like if I carry this child to term? Adoption or parenting are the two choices in regards to that. Uh, that is the main kind of uh, platform for Compass Care. We have three main platforms. That's the kind of our, 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 our most significant one. We also have um, uh, STD testing and treatment platform as well as um, an abortion pill reversal platform that we just added more recently. And this is basically if a woman has started a medical abortion and changes her mind and wants to reverse the effects of that medical abortion, if she comes into Compass Care stores within 72 hours, um, we can um, sustain that pregnancy. Um, we actually just had, for a quick story for you, we just had a, um, a young girl, she was actually 13 years old, and she had started a medical uh, abortion. Um, and uh, she came in uh, in January deciding that she wanted to um, reverse the effect. She, she wished she hadn't taken that, um, that pill. And uh, she just last week finished her uh, therapy, uh, her natural progesterone therapy, in order to sustain that pregnancy. Her baby is, uh, is growing, developing as, as it should be, and uh, she is carrying a healthy pregnancy. Uh, and she and her mom actually both, uh, in their last appointment at Compass Care, prayed to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior um, during the gospel presentation. Uh, so far this year, up uh, January and February, Compass Care has seen 30 lives saved, 30 babies that have been born or will be born uh, to women that were planning on getting an abortion before coming through Compass Care's doors. And we've seen 10, uh, 10 women pray to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior so far uh, in the first two months of this year. Uh, so thank you so much, uh, Holt and Wesleyan, for, for your uh, contribution to this ministry of what uh, God is doing through Compass Care. It is, uh, it is, it is, it is it's exciting to see uh, God work in the individual lives, and uh, there's some uh, some exciting trends going on in Monroe County as well as in New York in terms of the reduction in abortion. If you're 
interested, you can uh, tap me on the shoulder in the back. So thank you again so much, and uh, have, a, have a great day. I'd like to invite the ushers forward as we give back to God from all that he has given to us.
we continue to ponder the grace of God in our lives, spend a little bit of time praying together. And if you'd like to come and use the altar rail as a place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Father, in this moment of silence, we contemplate your grace to us. We think about all the ways that you are at work in us and in this world. Help us to see you and to be grateful. Father, we thank you for this week before us, as we, as we think about the, the last days of Jesus' life leading to the cross. On this day, we, we celebrate with the people in Jerusalem who welcome Jesus. And yet we know there are so many times when We are hesitant to welcome you into our lives and into this world. Keep working on us. Father, today we come and there are lots of things in our minds that are weighing us down, burdens, concerns. We think about people who are grieving today. Pray for your particular grace to each one. Whatever the loss, the pain, the source of the struggle, we pray that your comforting presence will bring healing. We pray, Father, for those who are struggling with health concerns. We think today of Barb Rangel, Bill Duzuma, Bob Jobert, Rich Reynolds, Calvin and Laurel Bucher, Warren Woolsey, Bill Getty, Phil Muker, Mike Raybuck, Jill Tyson, Bruce Brenneman, Bev Rett, Micah Christensen, Linda Roth, Dick Gould, Crystal Blake, Emily Cricklar, and others who are on our hearts today. We pray for your healing grace on each of them. Father, we continue to pray for, uh, for our church and the ministries of our church and Today, I just want to thank you for the people who give time and energy to be greeters, to welcome us into fellowship, to, to be a face of joy and of your spirit and your presence. Thank you 
for all who serve in this ministry. We think of the churches around us and we pray for the United Methodist Church in Short Track and Pastor Gary. We thank you for this congregation. Continue to bless them, encourage them, draw them closer and closer to you as they witness your grace and love to others. We think of the world around us. We thank you for the work of Compass Care in Rochester. We pray that you will help them as they navigate the waters of, of helping women and dealing with uh, pregnancies and turning fear to confidence. We pray, Father, that your grace would be at work in this ministry for all of the leaders of the ministry and the people who work in this ministry. We pray that you would allow them to be truly a, a voice, a face, a presence of compassion people a very difficult time of life. And we pray that you will continue to encourage them and bless their ministry. And Father, we think of the world beyond us in western New York. We pray for the people of Flint, Michigan, as they continue to deal with this very difficult situation with their water supply. We pray, Father, for uh, people in the world who live as refugees an existence that's really difficult for us to grasp, but is so real to far too many people. We pray that you would bring peace. We pray that you would bring restoration. We pray that you would end the conflicts that have created the need to be refugees. We pray, Father, for our brothers and sisters in Myanmar. And as they deal with um, opposition, persecution, as they move forward, Lord, at a time when it, it seems that there's going to be more openness, we pray that you will help them to be a presence of grace and mercy and forgiveness. We pray that you will you'll encourage and, and build up your children in this country of great need. Father, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for this day in which we celebrate the coming of Christ into Jerusalem. And may we, in doing so, celebrate the coming of Christ into our lives in every way. We pray all of this, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remembering the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew 21. You please stand with me for the reading of the gospel. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage in the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. 
If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? And he left them and went out to the city of Bethany where he spent the night. This is the word of the Lord.
Please be seated. If someone were to ask you, do you like surprises? Your answer might be, well, that depends. There are some surprises that we embrace. A gift that we had not expected. One of those things we open on a birthday or Christmas morning and think, wow, that's so cool. I never thought of that. Or the surprise of um, maybe a better report from the doctor than we thought might be coming. Maybe it's an opportunity to spend time with a friend who you didn't know was going to be at the same event that you were at, and you get to reconnect. Those are the kinds of surprises we embrace, we love. There are other surprises that we wish didn't happen. Sometimes there there are surprises in life that make us feel um, uncomfortable, worried. We feel enclosed. We feel as if um, everything maybe is unraveling right around us. And I am convinced, as I think about my own life and I read about people's lives and I talk to people, I'm convinced that, that more often than not, God speaks his most profound things in our lives through surprising, unexpected ways. He, he speaks to us in, through people or circumstances that we would not have expected. And I think the reason God does that is to reveal the truth about us. Because in the moments that, we, that God speaks to us and we don't expect it, we're not looking for it, and it comes through a means that we would never have dreamed, it's in those moments that our hearts are put to the test. Are we really open to God or not? Those are the moments that, that I think reveal what's really going on in us. I think this is, there's something of this happening in Jerusalem as Jesus comes into the city. Up to this point, Jesus has pretty much avoided Jerusalem. And when he was there, he's very careful to come into the city pretty quietly and to leave pretty quietly. But now, as John tells us in his gospel, that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem, which has the sense of Jesus saying, the time has come. And Jesus comes to Jerusalem and he comes in a way that no one would expect. He comes in, in a way that he himself orchestrates. You know, they aren't sitting around the disciples say, Jesus would be so cool if you rode into Jerusalem on a donkey like this. No, it's just all Jesus' idea. He sends them out. You go find, go to this place, get the donkey. If they ask you about it, say this to them, bring it back, and I'm going to ride into the city. And as he rides into the city, there is this messianic kind of feel to what Jesus is doing. And that's why the people lay the palm branches on the road, a way of honoring him, and they shout, Hosanna, 
Blessed is the one who came, comes in the name of the Lord. And this is taking them back to, to this idea of, of how you greet the, the Messiah, the King. And, and the, this word, Hosanna, you save, it, it has more than just a sense of a prayer, though it started that way, and it came, come to be known, came to be known as sort of a declaration of praise. You can save. We believe that. And Matthew tells us that as Jesus rides into the city, in a sense claiming his kingship, there are people asking, who is this? I don't know, but it makes me wonder if the people who are welcoming him, remember this is Passover's beginning, so they're pilgrims from all over Israel and even beyond that have come into the city. So it's flooded with people from all over the place. And I wonder if the people who are welcoming Jesus might be people from Galilee. People who know him more. People who have spent more time with him, watched him, listened to him. They have a better understanding of who he is. And the people in Jerusalem who've had limited opportunities to witness him are asking, who is this? But he comes in and he comes into the city and that is a pretty significant declaration he makes, but he's not done yet. In order to exert the the fullness of his kingship that he's claiming, he goes to the temple and he looks around. And I don't know if he goes intentionally to do what he does or if he goes in, sees what's happening and responds. But he goes in and he begins overturning the tables of the money changers and clearing out the temple. The background of that's important. When I was when I was uh, young, my idea of the story was you're not supposed to buy and sell in church. And I'm not saying that's a necessarily a bad thing to to say we need to be thankful thinking about that, but I don't really think that's the gist of really what's happening here. Again, Passover, pilgrims are coming to Jerusalem to sacrifice. It's pretty difficult to drag along a lamb or multiple lambs with you to come bring your sacrifice if you're going to walk 50, 100 miles. And so in order to help people, they had these, they set up stalls there with animals and people could come and you could buy the animal right there. So you have to bring it with you. You could buy it and you take that in as a sacrifice. Sounds like a good system. It's helping the people. The issue is that the priests, according to the Old Testament, have to approve of every animal that gets sacrificed. And so they look at the animals to see if they have any defects. And if they do, they reject them. If they don't, people can take them in and sacrifice them. And what ended up happening is they, the priests ran the, uh, the marketplace there out around the temple. They were all their animals. And so if anybody brought an animal that wasn't one of theirs, most of the time that animal would get rejected. And they made the people buy their animals that were, you had to buy at an inflated price. And so in the name of coming to worship God, they were bilking the people. On top of that, the temple was designed with different courts, different areas. Of course, the most center of it was the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest went in there once a year. The next ring was just for the priests and the next area was for Jewish men and the next area for Jewish women and the outside part of it was the court of the Gentiles and if you were a Gentile coming to worship God that's as far as you could go and this it seems as though evidence is showing that all of this marketplace was set up in the court of the Gentiles so if you're a Gentile coming to worship God you're trying to pray with all of this going on if you've ever been to, uh, to a, the marketplace of a developing country. 
It is not a quiet place to come and pray. And especially you add in all of these animals, it's chaos. And that's why Jesus says, my house is to be a house of prayer. And you've made it a den of robbers. Not only are you robbing people, but you're preventing a lot of people who want to worship Yahweh from coming to do that. And Jesus says, as the king, he claims his kingship by stopping it. This is my father's house. This is not how we do things. And the response to Jesus is varied. Of course, with all the pilgrims there, there are heightened um, potential for problems to develop. There always was during Passover. The Romans always had more soldiers around during Passover. The city is teeming with people, many of them wanting to overthrow the Roman government. And so you get a sense from the, from the, uh, the religious and government elite of the Jews that they're fearful. I mean, the Romans are, are you know, the, the Romans are ruling them, but it's not like they're slaves in Egypt anymore. And they've got a pretty good deal going at the Romans. They, you know, as long as they keep the people under control and keep them in check, the Romans will pretty much let them operate how they want to. And so here you have the, 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 the religious elite and the, and the people who run the Jewish government, the people who have the, the wealth and the fame and the, and the influence and the power. They're fearful about Jesus. But they're also angry at Jesus. Who are you to come and to, to cleanse the temple? Who are you to come and to, to tell us that what we're doing is wrong? I get the sense that the reason they set up in the court of the Gentiles is because who cares about the Gentiles? They're not important to us because they're not important to God. We don't care if they can come and pray or not. We're much more interested in making money. We're much more interested in increasing our wealth and our influence and our power. And we're willing to do it in the name of God. And Jesus says no. And I think many of the people are surprised at the way Jesus comes to claim his kingship. He comes humbly on a donkey, but he comes in power in the temple and authority. And as I read this story, I'm thinking to myself, I think there are a lot of times in our lives when when God speaks his truth to us in ways that are unexpected. Ways that we aren't looking for. And the question for each one of us is, are we open to hear it? What if God has a word for us from someone that we respect? Someone that, that, we're me- that, that uh, we mentor? Someone who, who looks to us and, and we, you know, we, we have these people in our lives that we think, all right, we've got a good relationship with them. And if they speak a word from God to us, okay, we'll listen to it. But what about if it's people we don't respect? What if it comes from people who have a totally different viewpoint of politics, a totally different viewpoint of, of theology, a totally different viewpoint of life? Maybe their moral code is completely different from ours. Are we open enough to God that he might have something to say to us from people who, are, who, who we have a difficult time with? People that just... Normally, we would say, they have absolutely nothing to teach me. There's absolutely nothing about them that, that God could speak into my life. And it's in that very moment that we're in danger. 
Because it's in that moment that God may well want to say to us, look, I have something to say to you, and I'm not sure you can hear it any other way unless I bring it to you in a way you, will, you don't expect. Something that will jar us, something that will shake us, something that will cause us to step back and say, wow, wait a second. That's something that I hadn't thought about before. It may be through circumstances. Maybe God wants to speak a word to us through our failures, our struggles, our pains, our disappointments. Are we willing to hear him? Are we willing to listen to him? When I look at this, at the, at the scene unfolding here in the story with Jesus, there are really two groups of people. There are people who accept Jesus and worship him, and there are people who, who reject Jesus and eventually crucify him. And what fascinates me is the people who make up these two groups. Because the group that rejects Jesus are the people who have the most theological training, they have the most knowledge of Scripture. They have, they have the most wealth. They have the most power. They have the most influence. Everything about their lives is success. And the group that accepts Jesus are exactly the opposite. They're described as lame, blind, poor children. All of the people of that culture who have no significance, no influence, what could they possibly have that we would want? And yet, they're the ones worshiping Jesus. They're the ones crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're not the ones who are defensive. They're the ones who are receptive. And what makes me nervous is that when I look at this story, thinking about my own life, maybe yours, if I have anything in common with people, especially when it comes to knowing about God, it's probably more this group than that group. And I want to be someone who's open to God. So how do we do that? I think it's having a mindset of trust to believe that God can and does indeed speak to us through all the experiences of life and all the people of life. Do we really believe that there are people in this world that, that God can speak into our lives, say something to us that we could never dream possible? Do we believe that, that God can speak to us in any circumstance, through any person, at any time? That doesn't mean that we have to agree with them. It doesn't mean we have to agree with their lifestyle. It doesn't mean we have to agree with their perspectives. That's not the point. It's just having enough openness in our hearts that when we are in conversation with people, that they have things that they could say to us that God would use to speak into our lives. To help us, to encourage us, to challenge us. Often it's to challenge us. Is it possible that, that there are struggles that we're facing that God wants to speak into our lives through? That things that we would want to avoid with every part of our being. 
And it's not that God sends those to us or enjoys seeing us experience them, but that's life. We live in a world of fallen people and fallen circumstances and and difficult things happen. And in the midst of that, can we hear God speaking to us? But I'm convinced that we will never, never live that, have that kind of perspective of trust and belief unless we have this this underlying sense of gratitude that God cares enough about us to say things to us that need to be said in ways that we can hear them. God is not content to just let us exist. God wants us to flourish. God created us to flourish. He created us to know the, the, the greatness of who he created us to be. He created us to, to be people who, who live in the image of Christ, who model the image of Christ, to be people of, who live our lives with a sense of victory and purpose. And that means he's not going to leave us as we are. And instead of complaining about that, We should celebrate that. We should rejoice in that. That God doesn't want us just to remain lukewarm or or just to stay at this place. As wonderful as that place may be, he always has more for us. Always wants to take us further, take us deeper. Because in the furtherness and the deeperness of life, he comes to us. And he fills us with this sense of flourishing that we become people that we never could have dreamed we could be. That'll never happen if we live our lives to just settle. God is never content with us settling. He always wants more for us. And that ought to, to create in us a spirit of gratitude. Every morning we wake up, Lord, thank you that you're going to say, speak into my life today through whomever and however, because you want more for me than I even want for myself. You want me to know you in the deepest of ways. And that ought to fill us with gratitude for God's grace to us. But underlying that sense of gratitude is a heart of humility. Underneath that gratitude is a humble spirit. And we will never have a heart of gratitude that leads us to trust... Until we have this spirit of humility that believes and is convinced that we have not arrived. That there's always more. We haven't gotten to the place where we've learned it all, understood it all, experienced it all, completed it all. We need that spirit of humility and sometimes that's hard. It's recognizing that we need God's grace in our lives every day, every moment. Craig Barnes says it's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty awesome and dangerous thing to be, to be chased by God. And sometimes we think of the grace of God coming to us and sort of patting us on the head and saying, Now, now, it's, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You know... If that doesn't, if you, you don't get that figured out, it's okay. It's not a big deal. Just, just, I'm just glad you are who you are. But the truth is, God's grace 
doesn't want us to settle like that. And that's why God's grace, while it is forgiving and while it is patient and compassionate, it is also challenging. God's grace is also seeking. And God's grace comes to us in ways because that, that make us stop and think about where our lives are headed and where we're going. And, and do we really want the fullness of God to challenge us? And it feels like God sometimes is after us in a way that doesn't feel like grace. But that's because change is always painful. And that's because taking next steps are always difficult. But the God who loves us so much that he would send his son to the cross for us has more for us than mediocrity. More for us than just settling. He wants us to flourish in his grace as he created us to be. And that only happens when our hearts are open to the king. To the one who comes in humble and humility riding on a donkey. And the one who exercises his authority as king to clean out some things in our lives that need to be cleaned out. And some things in our church that need to be cleaned out. And some things in the greater church that need to be cleaned out. And the question for each one of us today is, are hearts open enough to God that however God speaks, through whomever God speaks, in whatever circumstances God speaks, our desire is to be so open that we hear Him. And we see him and we let him work in us. Because we know that what he has in store for us is greater and deeper and bigger and more wonderful than we could have ever dreamed. My prayer for us is that wake up every morning we go through our day we go to bed every night and we're thinking Lord whatever you want to say however you want to say it through whomever you want to speak it give us ears to hear give us eyes to see because when all is said and done We'd rather be identified with the children and the outcasts because we've accepted you and heard you than with the others who are closed and reject you. Holy Father, thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness that keeps wanting to teach us and to change us and to make us the people who flourish as you created us. So Lord, open our eyes. Work in our hearts. And let us experience your grace as individuals, as a church, your people.
Pray this through Christ. Amen. Please stand and join us as we sing together. bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you.
May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.